Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Right. Hey, listeners, welcome back. Today is an interview show, and I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest. Her name is Lisa Boat. She is a transformational coach that specializes in helping women who experience feelings of being lost and alone after their children leave home. Her focus is to support women in finding meaning, purpose, and passion in their lives. She employs a range of techniques to help her clients reconnect with their authentic selves by guiding them through a process of letting go of guilt, shame, grief, and developing a deep understanding of self-love. She aims to facilitate a profound transformation at a heart level. Her approach focuses on internal growth rather than relying on external factors. Through this process, her clients gain the necessary skills to trust themselves, leading to lasting and sustainable change in their lives. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, please share a little bit more with listeners about how you found yourself doing this work. 
Yeah. So as you were reading it, I still find myself settling into that description because although I have been coaching for a long time, this is a new way of being for me. So the way I found myself here is a little bit windy, actually, because I was an educator for 20 years. So interestingly, when I was young, I did not ever want to be an educator because my dad was, and I watched the way it completely took over his life. And I thought I wanted to make very different decisions. And as I was graduating from university and thinking about what would come next, there's always the dialogue that exists for women around, well, what's going to be sure, what's going to be good for you, but what's going to be best for your family? Because that's Mm -hmm. what matters most. And so I loved working with kids. It's something I had done for the majority of my, you know, early and mid-teen working years. And so I thought, well, you know what? It is a good career for a woman having a family. And so I went into education and I did a lot of things. I did special education. I've taught many grades. The last 10 years of my career, however, were working as a central resource teacher, which meant I was coaching other educators, providing professional development and coaching, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely loved. And it also really surfaced for me how much the structure and the education system are not for me. I was abandoning myself over and over and over again in service of this structure that I knew it's not good for most humans who are in the system. And simultaneously, my own children were in their later teen years. And one morning, I still remember I was sitting out on my deck and it just hit me all of a sudden of, holy shit, I'm in a phase of my life I've never even considered. All I ever imagined for myself was, you know, school, career, young family. Mm -hmm. All of those things are now behind me. And I have never even thought about life, what life would be like on the other side of that. And in that realization, realized just how much I had abandoned myself and how much work I needed to do to find myself and get reconnected to myself. And so in my personal journey, in conversation with other women, I realized, you know, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who is having this experience. And while there is beginning to be some shifts around creating narrative for what it's like to show up as your most authentic, realized self at this phase, there's not a lot of narrative. There's not a lot of example. Mm -hmm. And so I left I resigned as an educator and I started this business. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting just thinking about the juxtaposition of, I don't know if that's the right way to use that word or not. I'm going to be real. But (laughs) like this drive to be our authentic self while living in the world of social media and Mm. like Mm -hmm. influencer and all of that. So that's just an interesting thing. And I totally relate. Right. Our kids are pretty much the same age and a little bit different, but pretty close. And yeah, it's like we were talking before we hit record about, you know, even though we have nine long months of pregnancy, baby in our life is like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that was sudden. And it's that same experience, you know, in this like later. I love how you said that. Like, yeah, visualizing being a mom. And I want to recognize there's plenty of dads that listen to this show too. So I'm going to work on the word parent. Mm -hmm. Being a parent of older kids 
right? Even though we are all older kids of uh-huh. parents, right? But it's still in our own experience of that. It just feels so wild, right? It yeah. just feels so wild. So talk a little bit more about that piece of finding your authentic self and how you support clients with this and how specifically life transitions can kind of offer up this ripe opportunity for digging in there. What does that look like? And Uh what does that mean to you? So transitions offer up that opportunity because it is a time of destabilization, right? Mm. Everything that you have set up as structures in your life suddenly either are no longer relevant or they need to change significantly. So there is this opportunity and we tend to define ourselves externally. We tend to define ourselves in terms of roles that we play. So for example, parents, right? While that's an an important part of who I am, it is not actually my identity. It is a role. It's in a really important role that I play, but it's still a role. And society creates conditions for us to define ourselves in that way. So when you were talking about social media, I mean, we see that proliferating in parenting because of the notion of perfection that social media and influencers in particular are creating around parenting and what it means to be a good parent. And this idea of a perfect parent creates a perfect childhood. And so everything around that child is protected. Hugely problematic for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> yeah. And one of them being that we over-identify in that role and it becomes our identity, which it is not. So then when our children leave and move on, as that is exactly what they are meant to do, they're not meant to be our children for forever. I, I think back to when I was pregnant, I had a midwife who I absolutely loved and adored. And I know this is unusual, but I loved being pregnant. I liked it too. Yeah. I was so glad not to like, I, it was really easy, right? And that's not everybody's experience. It is not. I finally didn't have to suck in my stomach. I think that was the best part. <laughs> it's like, look at my belly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt like such a goddess. Like my yeah, hair Yeah, for was sure. A hundred percent. It was great. After the first yeah. like three month hangover, which was hard, I felt <laughs> really great. And so when I was getting close to the end of my pregnancy, I was grieving it a little bit because I had loved that experience. And also I got to like, this was all mine. And my husband was super supportive and, and really part of the process, but still there's something different when you are, you are the vessel of this. You're life, the vessel. Yes. Right? And so I was grieving that. And she said to me, Lisa, you didn't get pregnant to get pregnant. You got pregnant to have a human. And so that is something that has stayed with me and evolved through the phases of, you know, I didn't get pregnant to have a baby. (laughs) I got pregnant to welcome another soul and another human into the world. And in that, that means it's not actually about me. It's about Mm -hmm. me facilitating Mm. space for that human. Yes. Oh my God. I love this. Can we pause here for a second? Yes. That reminds me, you know, of that who's the guy, who's the poet, our children are not our children. Right. Yes. And I so appreciate that. And I think we forget like the ownership that we take. And like, I mean, we, I say we, and I'm including myself inside of the we. Yeah, me too. And the attachment we have, and then this like pressure we put on ourselves that at the end of 18 years, we're sending this perfect person out into the world as if 
we can even do that. I mean, it's just so interesting when we're not paying attention to how we're holding it, how we're actually holding the whole experience. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and it sounds spiky when I say it, and I always preface it that way when I'm talking to clients, because I say, if you're holding on to your child like that, you're living your life for them and it's about you and it's not about them at all. Yeah, for sure. And that can be a really, it can be a challenging dichotomy to hold of like, but it's my responsibility to love and keep this human alive. And you also need to step back so that they can live their story and not try to overlay your story on them. When we do that, and so much of our culture is set up for us to do that now, when they do fly and they do leave, it means like our meaning is gone. Because I have wrapped up my entire purpose of being in being a mother to these people. You know, it's the Barbie movie had this line in it that I really was like, "Mm." like as a writer, I understand the like draw because it is a beautiful piece of language, but it's Rhea Perlman's character says, we mothers stand still so our daughters can see how far they've come. And I was like, no. Yeah, I get that. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely not. I am a human still living my life and my journey. I am not Mm -hmm. standing still so you can see how far you've come because that means you are relying on me as your marker when you also need to be living a life of self-reflection and looking back and seeing how far you've come yourself. So it's all the intersections of realizing those things of asking yourself, one, who am I and what do I actually want? Yeah. Because we're not given space to ask ourselves that question. What do I want? And, you know, I break those questions down because they're really challenging when we have completely created an identity for ourselves that exists in roles external to who we really are. So that's the heart of the work. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was recently a part of a little group ritual and that my girlfriend was facilitating in one of my friends who's, you know, an extremely dedicated mother. I mean, of course. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the questions that my friend who was facilitating asked, you know, in a series of questions, the final one was, what do you want? And it was, you know, I'm like a total personal growth junkie and I journal all the time and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, ask me that again. I can write five pages (laughs) on that. And this other friend of ours, I don't know that that's a question that had been posed to her because she couldn't answer. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and I feel like there's so many, and I know listeners, I know you're out there probably having your own experience with that question. Mm -hmm. So when you work with someone and you ask that question and they realize, oh, I'm in a place where I don't even know how to answer that. Like, what's the baby step towards discovering what it is that we want? The baby step is doing some re-embodiment work. And thinking Mm. about a time in life where you did know. And sometimes the answer to that is actually, but I have never known. Mm -hmm. And so then it's still embodiment work because what we tend to do over our lifetimes is living in the skin becomes more painful. We end up moving up and out and we just live in the cognitive world because we trick ourselves into thinking that that's the safer place. Yeah. And I want to just tell listeners what I just saw. Lisa do as she said that, like she lifted her hands up and I love this, right? And I want to dig into what it means to be embodied, but like lifting up and so spending our time here in our thoughts, right? Versus acknowledging and experiencing 
what's happening in our body. Exactly. Yeah? Is that what you're, yes, okay. exactly. That's a really great description of it. And what happens when we live in our brain is that we are constantly living in a place of evaluation. Mm. So there's not time where we're able to just listen to ourselves because we have removed ourselves from the vessel that allows us to sensor, to experience the world in a sensory way. Mm. And so it removes all kinds of, all those different pathways of how we receive information. Hey, everybody, listen, I'm so excited to give you an update on Songfinch. Songfinch delivers. I shared last month that I was going to have them create an original song for Ian, my graduating senior. Well, the song is done and the process of co-creating it with the artist on Songfinch was so cool. I got to provide details and ideas and then the musician of my choice wrote up the lyrics, put it to the music that I picked and the results are so cool. I can't wait to surprise Ian with it. I will be sure to record it and share it with all of you. Songfinch is an innovative service that lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and it lasts forever. After moving through their process, you get the final results in four to seven days. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free. So you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, Start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Go to songfinch.com slash joyful and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, which is a $50 value. Again, my URL is songfinch.com slash joyful. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash joyful. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. So I work with women on dropping back down into their bodies and using their senses to experience the world again, and in turn, be able to listen to the voices that are coming up that they hear when they actually live 
in their hearts and in their solar plexus and in their roots, because it's a totally different story than what's happening up here. So how do we know when we're living in our hearts and living in our solar plexus? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I would say the answer is probably different for everybody, but it is... How do you know? Yeah, so personally, (laughs) it's a really good... It's I know when I am not because I am coming from a place of numbness. Mm. And we know that we're living in numbness when we can't have the same kind of sensory memory that you have. Like if you think back to when you were little and the story changes for people who have had traumatic experiences as young humans. So it's very individualized work. But for me specifically, when I was 17 years old, I was in my body. There was something about me at 17 where I was confident. I knew who I was. I walked through this world with like power and grace. And it was before I had been in any sort of romantic relationship. And so everything up until that point had just been me. And I can, particularly when I listen to music from that time, I can feel what the air felt like around me. I can Mm. feel the clothes that I was wearing at the time. I can remember the grass that was underneath me and the way the sun felt on my skin. Like it is such powerful, visceral memory. Yes. And then when I think about, so this weekend, my partner and I went on a little weekend away, just the two of us. And we drove through Waterloo, which is where I went to university. And I remember almost nothing because I was living in such a place of disconnect and numbness. I lived there and experienced that city for almost six years. And I have almost zero memory of it. Mm. because I abandoned myself during that time. Mm -hmm. So some of the work is when people do have that memory is helping them to reconnect to what that felt like and then bring it forward and attach to where they are now. So they can use that as a platform for, oh, I remember what that felt like. And if I remember what it felt like, I can train my brain to get back to that space again, where I'm actually experiencing the world and being present in it rather than detaching from it. Yeah. When you were describing being 17, I was remembering my friend Kirsten's tan Volvo station wagon that we would drive out to Palm Desert for spring Uh break, Steve Miller band on the radio, windows down my best friends around me, like such a vivid picture. And then I think about college, which I do have a lot of memory from college, but I was also engaging in behavior that was absolutely abandoning myself. Mm -hmm. And can we talk a little bit about what, because I think I know what, Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it was like sexual promiscuity and a lot of alcohol and drug use. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was literally abandoning myself and then not really processing any around any of the behavior that I was engaging in. So when you talk about abandoning yourself, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways that that can look. Uh What does it mean to you when you're, or how does it show up for clients that you work with? Oh gosh, it shows up in so many different ways. I mean, for me, I can think about the way I was in relationships. I was in, you know, my first serious boyfriend ended up being a really abusive relationship where I had to abandon myself in order to be safe Uh in that space. And and then as I think about it through my career as an educator, it was the same pattern playing out where Mm -hmm. I couldn't ever show up as my whole self 
because that would not have been acceptable to the very academic world that I existed in. Mm. And I had to abandon all those elements of myself to show up to a system that I knew wasn't good for me. Mm -hmm. And I see clients do the same thing. And sometimes it is in their relationships. Yeah. Sometimes they have abandoned themselves to make a partnership work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the abandonment actually happens in motherhood, right? Especially if someone has had a traumatic experience as a child, they pour all of this extra energy into making the most perfect reality for their child that they can. And that we, you know, cognitively understand why that is. But in so doing, you abandon who you actually are and just give over to an identity of someone else's mom. Mm. Right. Like if you think about the way parents introduce themselves to each other, if you're like at a soccer game or whatever, it's like, oh yeah. Hey, I'm Will's mom. Yep. Right. Okay. But I think you have a name. (laughs) (laughs) But we abandon, like we literally, like that's how deep the abandonment goes. We let go of our names. We let go of who we really are and just become this person's parent. Well, and it's interesting too, because like when you said that, I have people in my phone who are, you know, Andrea, Joe's mom. Yeah. Right. So we're even doing, like we're doing it to each other as well. And then you know, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but I'm going with it. Like, even when we, I'm thinking about those early years with my kids and like play dates and, you know, the kids find themselves and it's like, oh, I'm going to meet the parent and then mingling with the parent and keeping it very surface. Uh Right. I mean, I can think very specifically about some play dates where I'm like that person, I couldn't expose my whole self to them because they would have been like, you know, what's up with this lady? Uh You know, just, Uh, or that's what I thought, right? And yeah, it's so interesting how that happens. Like there's so many layers to the why. Absolutely. That can happen. And then fast forward, right? Then fast forward, my listeners are parents of teenagers. Yes. And I think there's some transitions that I want to talk about here. So we go from being maybe the class mom and super involved in school. And then they go into middle school, high school, and they're like, stay away from my school. Like, Uh do not come on campus, (laughs) right? Or they move from being this really like happy to engage, wanting to connect with us, maybe even a lot of physical snuggly affection. But then, which is very developmentally appropriate and not a character flaw, they move through individuation and teen brain development and they push us away and they need to figure out who they are. And there's this whole detachment period, right? And it can feel really abrupt. Just like, I was just pregnant. Now I'm holding a baby. It's like, oh my God, I just had an elementary kid who loved me. And now I have a middle schooler who can't stand me, right? How do we be with that transition and the abruptness, I guess, of what can feel abrupt? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think, you know, when we're watching other people walk through their parenthood journey, especially when you're in the throes of toddlerhood and it's so energy expensive and you're just exhausted and you're looking ahead and thinking, God, I cannot wait for that moment when I have some freedom again. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize how abruptly that happens and changes. I remember how when I gave birth and suddenly my life was completely different from the way it had been three seconds ago. And it's almost the same level of abruptness, the way it happens. It is just like a blink or a heartbeat. And suddenly you find yourself in this different relationship. And there's sort of two ways I want to answer this. And one of them is 
parents of little kids, this is where cross generational conversation is so important. And to be able to listen to each other and to say, like, don't abandon yourself. Don't give all of yourself into this. Because if you hold on to the core of who you are and you're not making your value be your children, then this will be an easier transition because Mm. you are not making them the star of your story because you are actually still the leading character of your own story, right? Yes, love it. But we don't let ourselves do that. So there's that element of it. And then the other side of it is just being really honest with kids around our own experience because we have this feeling like we need to protect our children from everything. And the reality is when we let them in and we let them understand our humanity, right? That we're not just parents, we're also humans. So I had, you know, my oldest was in his final year of high school last year. And he was doing all of the things that I remember doing being in my last year of high school, right? Like you are, you are separating from the family. You know that your reality is going to be different. So there's all these behaviors that come out. And one evening where everything was calm, like neither one of us were upset. I just, you know, said, hey, can we chat about something? And he's like, yeah, sure. What? And he said, I want you to know that, like, I see everything that you're experiencing. And I remember going through it myself. And at the same time, all of the behaviors that you are showing, because you need to, to start doing the separation, happen to intersect with all of my most raw pain points. Mm, That makes me emotional. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't want you to change what you're doing is totally developmentally appropriate. But what we need to have is some language so that you know when something you are doing is really just like digging into this wound that I have and vice versa, Mm -hmm. because it's a reciprocal relationship that's happening. And that was really helpful for us to be able to move through that in a way where we could be honest with each other instead of feeling like we were fighting each other. Yeah. So my youngest is on a more traditional trajectory as far as finishing high school and you know, applying Mm -hmm. to colleges and he wants to get out of state. And like my daughter moved to town, right? She's 20 minutes away. I get to see her. And what makes me super emotional is thinking about, like we were talking, he has a college counselor and we were kind of interviewing her before we decided to use her. And she was talking about like accepted student days. Mm -hmm. And I burst into tears because it's such an exciting time of life, right? Mm -hmm. And thinking about him inside of this time period makes me feel so many things. Mm -hmm. And I also think that I'm really good at, like, I know that when he actually truly like drives away, oof, that's going to be, of course, an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And Like, I know that's out there and I'm not like letting that future experience dictate how I feel and be with him right now, right? Yeah. And I think that's really important too. I was also a mom. I mean, I remember being like, oh my God. Oh, my baby started kindergarten. Oh, my last. And I'm just like, yeah, hallelujah. Okay. (laughs) I need a little time. Good, go, do it. So, you know, it's just so interesting how we all interface with the Uh experience of transition. I think another piece of this particular period of time of adolescence, whether it's 
the start or the middle or the end is everything feels so precarious, right? And we want to know, and I know that you do work around uncertainty. Uh As parents, we want to know that they're going to be okay, Uh right? We want to know that they're going to be able to take care of themselves, that they're going to get into college, that they're going to find a trade that they're not going to become addicts because they're experimenting with substances, that they're going to figure out their mental health. Like we want to know, Uh right? And we don't, right? And so something that I talk a lot about and practice, really had lots of practice in this is trusting the unfolding of life and being with that uncertainty. How do you help clients with uncertainty? Oh gosh, it's so hard, right? Because as humans, we're wired to know certainty. And the one truth about life is that nothing is certain. Yeah, it's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really annoying. I have to credit my mom. When I'd just given birth to Will, who's my oldest, I was probably right on the cusp of having postpartum. And one of the things I was experiencing was just terrified that something was going to happen to him. Like I was locking all the doors in the house. I was sure that someone was going to come and take him. Like I was having all of those sort of things. And she came to me and she said, Lisa, you cannot protect them from everything. Mm -hmm. This is their life to live. Yeah. And it was the best advice I could have gotten at that Mm -hmm. time. And so that has sort of framed my experience of knowing we sign up for this knowing that there will be great love, but there potentially can also be great pain and great grief. Mm-hmm. That is just the reality. And so the work that I engage with with clients is sitting in the space of duality. And I'm not going to pretend that that's easy. It's not. It's really hard. Yeah. There's also not an ending, right? Sometimes I think people come into coaching or therapy or whatever it is with this idea of like, I'm going to be healed. Yeah, yeah. That's not the game. That's not the game because life continues to happen. You could reach a place where you feel really good, but the key is having tools that allow you to move through the hard parts. Mm -hmm. So that is mostly what I work with. And it is at the physical level. It is at the emotional level. It is at the spiritual level because there's alchemy in all of those things coming together. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month 
while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. My good friend, Jeanette, who I adore, talks about life as the spiral, Mm -hmm. right? And those lessons that were here probably cosmically chose Mm -hmm. and how, you know, you move through the spiral and there it is again in another way. And there it is again in another way. And every time we meet that challenge or that lesson, we have more experience Mm -hmm. around navigating it. Yes. Right? And I think that There's got to be something around this transition from parent with kids in the house Mm -hmm. to parent of young adult Mm -hmm. kids. There's got to be something there for all of us Mm -hmm. that is like, yet again, here I am. Here's what's coming up for me. It's probably something that's come up for us multiple times. And now it's taking shape as abandonment Mm -hmm. could be one or like you're talking about like I think there's a little bit of a martyr in all of us Mm -hmm. right around like look at what I've done for you and everything I've sacrificed and you know I'm so intrigued by you know kind of the gen z younger millennials who are like I don't owe you shit Mm-hmm. Right. And it's yeah. true. Like the delivery, you know, can be a little hard sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> there's great lessons to learn from that. You know, I was having these conversations with people sort of close to the end of my teaching career as well, because there were Gen Z's who were coming in as new teachers. And, you know, other teachers were like, what are with these people who aren't just like staying after school for forever and coaching everything and doing everything for free, the things that we've always done? And I said, good. Yeah. Take a lesson. Take some notes. Because us doing that, what did that do for us or for the system? Absolutely nothing. And so good for them that they have those boundaries. Is there things that they can learn from us? Absolutely. But we also can learn from that. So yeah, it's really interesting to watch how that is shifting and changing. And I hope that some of the infusion of those kind of boundaries around parenting Mm-hmm. are really important. And we don't often use the word boundaries when we talk about parenting. It's like, no, you just give it all of yourself over to your kids. And the reality is that is not good for anyone. Yeah. And it's a long journey, you know, like I think about my relationship with my mom, you know, and I moved in with my dad when I was 15 and we had a very rough go of it. And then 
invited her back into my life and wanted her to be in my life as I became a mother. And it's funny because I called her recently. I realized, because I'm always wanting my daughter to call me, mm-hmm. right? And I realized, oh my gosh, I haven't called my mom in a while. I teased my daughter about this. I was like, I just called grandma because I was like, it was such a fun conversation that I had had with my daughter. And the relationship evolves as it should, right? In a healthy way. I'm so grateful for the ways that my parent, my mom in particular, has chosen and been willing to grow and evolve over the years of our relationship. You know, and it's interesting how resistant I have people in my life who are like, oh, my mom, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's still this domineering or, you know, whatever relationship. And so I think as we move through our own transition with our kids, when I think about my kids and the relationship that I want to have with them, I want them to want to hang out with me. Yeah. Right. Which means I get to check my shit. You know, I get to check (laughs) my stuff and remember like, as I have worked to do the whole time, like this is their life. This is their narrative. How can I fit inside of it in a way that feels encouraging to them? Uh It feels good to me, of course, too, right? A hundred percent, not just an of course, like while also nurturing who I am as a mom of young adults. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought that up because that's one of the conversations that I'll have with clients often is I don't know how to have a relationship with my adult children because they still only see me as a mom. Mm. And so that goes back to that idea of why it is so important to show your children your humanity, that you are also a human. And that allows for space where they're not looking at you as a monolithic thing right? Mm -hmm. As this stereotypical mom and that you feel like that's the role you have to continue to play. Yeah. But if you are honest about who you actually are and let them see that, then they also are set free Yeah, because they don't feel like they have to play the role of like the monolithic child. Right. And I think there's something in the conversation around experiencing, I think when kids experience this expectation, like they owe us something. Yes. Like what a deterrent for relationship, right? Like absolutely. No, thanks. I was listening to a podcast recently with Gabor Matei. Oh, I love him. God, I love him. I know I could listen to him. (laughs) He's just so soothing, right? Oh my God. Yes. But he talked about like the role of family is not to protect or to change things for a child. The role of family is just to provide a space where that person always knows that they're loved. And so they can go out into the world and they make mistakes and they do hard things. Yeah. And they have those experiences. It's not for me to stand in the way of them having that. It's just to have a place where they can come back and it's soft Mm -hmm. and they know that they are loved no matter what the experience is. Yeah. And I just thought that is such a part led place to come from, Mm -hmm. right? Where there is, everybody is recognized as having their own story when we can come at it from this place of love. Yeah. We talk about dignity and respect Mm -hmm. in positive discipline. And I was just talking to another parent educator about this and the power of sending kids off, regardless of the skills that they are in the process of mastering, if they are confident and know that they are capable and that they have worth and that they're accepted and loved, like you just said. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is going to be what will lead them 
into a place of contentment and fulfillment in life. Like that's where, that's where it's at. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So as we look ahead, you and I both, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all the other people that are looking ahead at, you know, the very real reality that our kids will launch and leave us. Do you have any tips, anything to think about and to start maybe some practices or things that can support us in the upcoming transition mm-hmm. into that emptiness place? Yeah. One of them is going back in time <laughs> and having that conversation early, like maintain relationships, maintain things that you love to do. Don't give yourself over. So there's that element of it. And then in the truth and reality of where we are, one is giving yourself grace and knowing it's going to be fucking hard. It just is. There's going to be grief and it's okay. That grief is not going to last forever. Yeah. And that you can hold two realities at the same time. You can grieve and miss that human that's been, you know, you've known every detail of this person's life for 18, 19, 20, however many years it's been. And suddenly you don't. Oh God, that's going to be so annoying. (laughs) Yeah. And there's like, there just is, there's pain and grief in that. And at the same time, you can be excited to know that you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like I had a taste of it this summer. Both of my kids worked at a residential summer camp. So they were gone all summer. It was kind of, it's a nice little sort of testing ground for us. Yeah. And it was both things. I missed them because I enjoy them as human beings. And I didn't have to have a weekly schedule for what we were eating for dinner. I didn't have to think about, you know, who needed to go where, what game, like all of that strategy evaporated. So you can hold both of those things at the same time. And then a couple of things. If you are in a partnership, start getting to know each other again before the kids leave so that you Mm -hmm. aren't looking at each other like, who's this stranger and what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. Couples therapy is important, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do things that are fun. Yeah. Right. Because often when I'm talking to somebody, it's they've gotten to a place where they literally don't know where to begin. And there's mm-hmm. all these hard to hard conversations to be had. But I say, start with something fun. Start with something that you enjoy doing together. So start building those practices back into your day to day and actually just make time for conversation because. Often with partners, everything becomes transactional because you're just constantly like strategizing and figuring out what needs to happen when. And so you lose that ability to just sit and talk. That's so real, Lisa. Yeah. So there's that. And then just start letting yourself imagine because that is something we don't do as adults. We leave the imagination go when we're kids. But start imagining, like, if you could just design the life that you wanted to have, what would it look like? Hmm. What are the things that you would do? What would you feel? Like, what do you really want to feel in this next chapter? And that was, for me, one of the big shifts was when I realized, like, teaching is going to be behind me. I don't know what's coming next, but I deserve for it to be great. So lean into your worth. Lean into knowing that you deserve for this next part to be great and just let yourself imagine. Mm, Thank you for that permission slip. I love that. Freedom, joy, connection. Those are my things. Beautiful. That's how I want to feel. Yeah. Yes. And lots of travel. That's a great chapter. 
Yeah, I'm into it. Ah, thank you for what you bring to the world, my new friend. I'm so (laughs) happy to have had this conversation with you. Where can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, so you can find me pretty much everywhere. (laughs) So I also have a podcast called Transforming 45, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. My website is leaninfindhome.com where you can find all the ways to connect me. I'm on all the social places at Boat, And yeah, so you can find me pretty much anywhere. <laughs> and you can Yay. also send me an email. I don't know if you have show notes, but I can. Yes, I do. Okay, yep. I can send you all the places to find me. Yeah, we'll put all your contact stuff in the show notes. Absolutely. Perfect. So my final question that I leave my listeners with that I ask my guests is what does joyful courage mean to you? Yeah, I saw that. That's such a good question. So often around the idea of courage is this notion of fear, right? That we have to show up with courage and fear. And so it becomes almost like this battle analogy of showing up with courage, but joyful courage just sounds like the ease that can exist when we just have the courage to show up as who we truly are. And it doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be a battle. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be joyful and graceful and easeful. Mm, I love ease. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. This was so great. Thank you for the show. I think you're doing really important work. Yay! Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.